0: And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox.
1: Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to grow or start your own real estate investing business. And here on Real Life Real Estate, we we try to walk that line, that balance between telling you what you want to know which in many cases is quick cash strategies and you know how do i how do i make $10,000 in the next 30 days and what you actually need to know which is how to build long-term more passive income and wealth and you know i sometimes think that that some listeners like tune out when we start talking about anything that involves uh, long-term investments rental properties etc. and you shouldn't do that because even if that is off in your future it is your future you're not going to get rich wholesaling or retailing properties what you're going to get wholesaling or retail prop- retailing properties is cash to get yourself to financial rights if that's an issue cash to Maybe start on the next phase, cash to put aside that all important six months worth of living expenses. But guys, those things are a job. They they're literally like you are every dime you are making you're trading hours for dollars. And you need to hear more about and know more about ways to create income that you don't have to go out and buy another property to get another check. As you can guess. Our topic today is along those lines, but it's also with a guest who got started buying investment properties when she literally had no way, at least by traditional means, Of buying investment properties. Her name is Dixie Decker. And yeah, that's her real name. That's not like a stage name. It's such a great name, right? It sounds like she should be at the Grand Old Opry or something. It's, it's, it's a wonderful name, but it's, it's real. And she is from the Springfield, Missouri area. And she is an expert in investing in student rentals. And that's, you know, that's one of those things that a lot of people kind of come up with that idea, right? They say, I'm going to I'm gonna invest in properties around the college because then I have a built-in group of people who are always going to want to rent and then they jump into it without really knowing quite how it might be different than any other kind of rental. So that is what Dixie is here today to fill us in on. Joining us from her office at Rosa Homes in Springfield, Missouri is Dixie Decker. Dixie, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. Um, so glad to have you. So glad to hear a woman's voice on the other end of the line. That's um, you know something that happens. Probably, I'm very
2: very <laughs> excited to do this. So
1: thank you so much. Well, you are you are so welcome. And um, you have you have carved out an interesting little niche for yourself here. And it's actually been relatively quick. This is this this uh, student housing thing is kind of a new thing in in your life, um, you know, relative to, you know, people who've been in the business for 50 years before they figure it out. So tell us a little bit about your background that brought you to where you are now.
2: Oh, goodness. So I'll, I'll make it as short as possible. But I I bought my first house when I was a senior in high school. And my dad taught me the traditional way to go to the bank and get a loan and slap a little bit of paint on the walls and some carpet, and you have yourself a house or you have yourself a rental. And, you know, life took its course over time and uh, marriage and kids and just got to do a house here or there as a rehab. And as you said, getting started, that's one paycheck and you're done. Um, So as life took its course, um, I ended up in 2010 uh, getting divorced and facing um, a future of things I didn't know had occurred over the last few years. So that entailed filing bankruptcy, and that was discharged in 2013. So you can imagine being taught to go to the bank and have superior credit, and this is the only way you can function, is, is quite devastating to what you think your future is now going to hold. Um, so we, you know, I went and got a little bit of coaching and trying to find these other methods to still get back into real estate and take care of my kids by myself now. And after we did that, we really started working hard in 2013 to get back into real estate, uh, without our own money. Uh, so since 2013, we started this journey that involved the student housing along with, uh, wholesaling and still retailing and rehabbing, doing it all now.
1: hmm hmm So you still have the 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 cash streams coming in because those those it's it's it, it, it's a funny balance, you know. Landlords need cash infusions from time to time because if you own houses, things will go wrong with those houses, <laughs> and some of those yes, things some of those things are expensive, you know. When you have to put, I just I just found out. That I'm going to have to put a roof on a house that I didn't expect to be putting one on for like 10 years. And so $4,000, right? And that house is not going to it, the house itself is not going to support that $4,000 bill because it's vacant right now. So right. <laughs> so how does one get the money to do that? You know, wholesale, retail, the cash strategies. But at the same time, um, it's all—it's often hard to convince landlords that they should even have those in their tool bag because they're like, if I'm fi- if I'm going to find a great deal, why why am I not going to keep it? Exactly. So you, you're kind of you're kind of doing all of these things, but the 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 bread and butter, and 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 you know, I don't want to don't want to give people the wrong idea. You're also you also uh, have some single family homes that are not student rentals, but those are lease options. So what you you don't have is the standard market tenant single-family home. You either have single-family homes that are running for a lot of money because they're student rentals or that the uh, tenant is on the track to buy.
2: Correct. I didn't want to have to worry as much about just your single-family rentals that come with one income earner or someone loses their job and you have to evict them at Christmas time. I wanted to lessen my risk with that and that is what turned into the student housing when we found houses around the university that nobody wanted to do a rent to own on because they were only going to be here for two to four years going to school. It was students or it was parents and we decided this was a little niche we could work with if we structured it properly with the students that were living there and set the expectations up front we could really cash flow those and keep them long term as they pay down and have huge passive income almost double what we would get out of a single-family rental and we have multiple people securing that lease versus one
1: you just said such a mouthful and i have i have so many questions and i'm and i'm sure listeners do too so we're going to we're going to take a quick break we're going to give listeners a chance to sort of formulate their thoughts on what they would like to know from you about the challenges and opportunities in student housing listeners can pose those questions to Dixie either by calling us at 877-772-9658 Or alternatively, by going to our website, realliferealestate.com. There's a question and answer form there that you can fill in and uh, hit the send button. It'll come over here via email. So 877-772-9658 or realliferealestate.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vena jones Cox. My guest today is Dixie Decker from Rosa Homes in Springfield, Missouri, where the uh, big university there is Missouri State. And uh, to give give folks, I mean, we've got listeners from all over the country, Dixie, and I'm sure all of them have a college or university in their backyard, but to give them some sense of scale, how big is Missouri State?
2: We have about 24,000 students enrolled. And about six thousand of them can actually live on campus in dorms and facilities that the the university offers to them.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's like eighteen thousand kids who either that need
2: a place to live, <laughs> who either who
1: either live at home, which they only typically want to do till they're you know juniors at the oldest, right? Or, or who are coming in from someplace else and have to have a, a place to live. Now, if if someone you know um if someone lived near uh, there's all the little towns right that have small universities like uh, uh um Bowling Green up up mm-hmm. in the Toledo area is a smaller uh college and it's uh um tiny town and i think a, a lot of times people think well the opportunities might be limited because the college that i'm near just isn't all that big and i'm sure people have it locked down and How do you make an evaluation like that? How do you say it would be good to buy near, you know, Kent State or Moorhead or (laughs) some smaller university?
2: Well, I think you just need to pick one that you're interested in um, and, and just give the university a call and find out what their statistics are as far as exactly what we just went over. You know, how many students are enrolled this year? How many can you guys house on campus? And that's going to give you a pretty good idea of if you have a place to go in and, you know, find a house that's nearby that you can rent to students. Uh, We have several big apartment complexes around our university, and it looks like uh, they have it locked down, and there's no way anyone else could do this. But in those little pockets, there's little houses all in between that stuff. So these kids are looking for a place to go after they've been to the apartments and they've partied and they've done all of that. Then they come to us when they're kind of in their upper years of college and they're looking to graduate. They're <laughs> looking to study more, and uh, they're a little calmer when they come over to our houses versus the big complexes that are out there.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I think you just hit on. A concern and anxiety <laughs> that uh, a lot of uh, potential college housing providers might have which is is there gonna be a lot more damage to my properties is there gonna be a lot more um, management hassle because I've got I, I mean I know what my own teenagers are like I wouldn't want to Oh yeah, I have one of those
0: too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to, you know, the th- the thinking being, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want five five of my kids living in my house with me. <laughs> so it are, I... do you find that there is a lot more you know, damage and concern about that sort of thing? So I think
2: I think you're 100% correct there can be what I found is setting those expectations up front and getting the parents involved. I have parents say that exact same thing to me that you said, are you sure you want my kid living here? And I say, do I? And they, they go over the lease with us. The kids are on the leases with us, the students are. And they know up front this is what we expect, and we're charging a pretty high dollar amount for those rents per room all on one lease together. And most of the time, there's one student in the group that's not going to let the group fail. They want to graduate with clean credit. They don't want to do anything to put themselves at risk. And the parents will come down and help clean this place up if they think their kid hasn't done a very good job. Because they've been put in the game from the very beginning as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it, as always, the devil's in the details. Right. I mean, I think I think the reason the reason that people uh, will hear horror stories about, um, you know, oh, the kids in my college rental drilled a hole through the front of the refrigerator to stick a tap out (laughs) of and made it into a kegerator. And now, you know, they ruined an eleven hundred dollar refrigerator and oh, yeah, well, the students in my place brought in a pool table and, you know, damaged my floor, you know, all that kind of stuff has to do with um uh j- just not setting up your business right in the first place, right?
2: I believe so, absolutely.
1: Yeah, you said you had said something about uh at the beginning about um setting their expectations. About yes. about, you know, just 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 uh, having I I assume uh, a clear communication up front can can you can you talk about what that looks like?
2: So, one of the one of the fun things that we do is when we first started, and we only had a couple of these, we sat down with every group of tenants or students that was going to lease with us and went over those important parts of the lease that, let's be frank, these students aren't reading your lease from the beginning. That's why they don't know what to do. <laughs> so we wouldn't let them sign till they sat down with us, and we went over it kind of like the mom and dad preach and teach and speak, speak speech they give their kids. And just let them know, like, we want to help you be successful. We're rooting for you to graduate with clean credit, and we'll do whatever we can to help you out. We're going to share with you what these rules are that that are going to make you successful. Um, we learned very quickly that was time-consuming, so we have narrowed that down to where now we have a short video we're able to send to the students before they ever sign the lease. And in the video, telling them these you know, don't leave furniture in the place when you leave because you will lose your whole deposit over one draft or you leave in the property. They then, after they've listened to some of these highlights that we already know they're going to fail at, um, they, in the video, we tell them to send us back a secret word so we know they listened to the whole video. And if they don't, they never get to sign a lease with us.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: now they have heard it verbally even if they didn't read my Mm (laughs) lease, which we know happens. So we tell them the things we know they're going to do wrong and what will be their benefit if they don't. And so far, it's worked out great. Um, I had a funny story where this linebacker came into the office and he's carrying a stove door. And I just look at him and he says, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. How much is this going to cost me? Mm -hmm. He did not want his coach to find out he had ruined our stove, and he did not want to risk losing a scholarship. So he bought a new stove that day with no problem (laughs) because we set that expectation up front. We know you're going to have a problem. Bring it to us. You can pay for it, and you're not going to have bad credit. We're not going to try to evict you. We're not going to do these things that you're afraid we're going to do. So it works out really well. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Again, I want to remind you, listeners that if you have questions about student rentals, how they work, how to buy them, uh, um, how to manage them, etc., you can give us a call at 877-772-9658. You can also send us a question through our website at realliferealestate.com. All you have to do is click the button that says ask a question, fill in the response form. Please let us know where you're writing from. Hit the send button and we'll get it here via email. Uh, so a couple more kind of management questions because I don't know I think that's the first the first fear people have is about the the what ifs that they're picturing with these students mm-hmm. and uh I think uh one question that I get a lot is, well, isn't the rental year only you know august one through may thirty one or aren't you aren't you basically vacant three months a year because the kids go home?
2: hmm so we only do a 12 month lease the way we help the students and even the parents understand why if they were to kick back because that's usually people's next question well don't you get a lot of kickback because you require a 12 month lease we remind them of the pain they're gonna have in moving their kid out of the dorms back into their home in what, the middle of May usually? Mm-hmm. And then again, they have to pack their ch- their students up again in August and move them back down to wherever they're living or into the new facility. That requires moving trucks and mom and dad off work and all of these things that cost money. So if you know what they're going to be paying at the dorm for eight or nine months during that school year, you can really divide that total by 12 months And your 12-month lease is still a huge benefit to the parents. It saves them time and money and the hassle of moving their child multiple times during the year. Mm -hmm. So we really sell those benefits with why a 12-month lease is in their best interest and ours.
1: Very good. Now, you keep mentioning the parents, the parents, the parents, the parents. I'm uh-huh. I'm not sure that that folks who went to college prior to say 1990 understand that in the current world, it's actually the parents who are approving the property, paying the rent often, because <laughs> um, that wasn't you know when I was in college I don't I don't even I I I went to school in Cincinnati. I lived in an apartment in Cincinnati. My parents lived in Cincinnati. I'm not sure they were ever at my apartment <laughs> the whole time I was in <laughs> yeah. college, and they didn't pay for it. So it's it's um th- things are a bit different now, and the parents are very involved in the in the decision about where yeah. little Johnny or little Sarah is going to rent, and they also are now willing to do something that my parents would have never done. Which is co-sign that Sarah and Johnny are actually going to pay the rent.
2: Yes. And a lot of that is um, from the fact that most of these kids have never even shared a bedroom with a brother or a sister. And these parents really have been saving since the day their child was born for the idea of we have to pay for college. And we have to pay for somewhere for them to live. And so everybody, when we're working with them, everybody's winning. The parents are usually saving money they thought they were going to have to spend. Uh, We are secured with the parents and the students on the lease. And we're making money doing it, and they're getting a great deal. Mm -hmm. Usually the parents are thanking us at the end of the lease saying, oh, my kid keeps a cleaner house now. They learned to use a garbage disposal. (laughs) (laughs) Or they they never did dishes at my house, but they did at yours. Uh Now they can go on to be more successful people. (laughs) So Uh it's funny what we've seen happen when they're all involved and the expectations are set from somebody other than mom and dad as well.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, uh, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer a couple of questions that have come in via email. And we're going to talk about the the, the acquisition of these properties. You know, what sort of thing are you looking for? What, how, how are you financing it, given that you've got a three-year-old bankruptcy? And I assume that even uh-huh. with all your success, the banks aren't throwing money at you just yet. Um, 877-772-9658 is the number to call listeners with any questions about student housing with Dixie Decker. Also, you can send us an email. Just go to our website, realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Dixie Decker from Rosa Properties in Springfield, Missouri, who has developed herself a little niche in student housing. And uh, we're talking about well, various aspects of that and how it works and taking listener questions at 877-772-9658. Or alternatively, you can send us an email by going to our website at, at uh, com and uh, just clicking the Ask a Question button. Um, so, Dixie, I have a question here from Tom in Illyria, Ohio. I'm never sure if I'm saying that right, Illyria, Ohio. Uh, He says, I know that when I was in college, some landlords had an age limit where they wouldn't take a freshman and sometimes even a sophomore. Do you have any policy like that in your business?
2: So I don't really have that policy for our company, per se, Uh, specifically with freshmen and sophomores in our area, in our university. They have to live on campus for at least the first year. So that kind of helps me not have that rule Um, however what we most importantly look at is these are single-family homes they're not complexes or dorms where I have to regulate like a house mom in the house if they can afford that room with their group of friends or the group they found I don't care if they're freshmen or if they're graduate students I'll tell you they behave a little better if they're juniors and seniors but i don't actually specify that
1: mhm mhm uh, and that's a, that's a good question tom because i know you know some folks do make those sorts of rules and then and then i'm going to get a question you just watched Dixie. i'm going to get a question that says wait a minute isn't it age discrimination if you say you won't rent to uh, <laughs> freshman well the thing is age discrimination applies to old people not young people it's that you can't you can't <laughs> you can't refuse to rent to somebody over a certain age not that you can't refuse to rent to somebody under a certain age um so uh back to my questions here until we get some more from listeners at 8777729658 or at realiferealestate.com um so uh Dixie let's talk about the properties, um, do you have a favorite type of property in terms of n- number of rooms and bedrooms, distance from the college? Anything else special that you really like it to have that has that has uh, you know proven to be successful in your model here?
2: Oh, my goodness, there's so many things that can make a big difference. Uh, of course, I would just dream for it to be the perfect, completely redone, beautiful home, uh, which we do buy several of those that parents have already redone uh, when they bought one house for their kids to go through college and live in, and now they don't know what to do with it, and they're out of state, and they're worried about down here in Missouri frozen pipes this time of the year. Um, they're ready to let somebody help them. So in, in my picture-perfect world, I love four-bedroom houses just because they cash flow so much, Um, and it's still a single-family house. Um, Some of the tricks that I like about it is one that people don't think about. The the students living together will get along better if they have a refrigerator that has four shelves inside. Hmm. I know it sounds silly, but if everybody has their own shelf, they get along all year long. They can all have their food on their own shelf. Hmm. So sometimes I have to buy a fridge to go in there, so it has four shelves. Um, I do like to have as much pile and hardwood as possible so that again, they are the most, they have the most successful chance of leaving our property with the minimal amount of damage. Uh, carpet's just too easy for them to ruin, um, whether it be because of a party or just the fact that mom and dad have always cleaned up after them and they're a little bit less particular. So if we give them the opportunity to ruin it, it's, it's more risky. So we do like tile and hardwood a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's several other things, so I could go on and on, or I could just name a couple of them, but I do like a lot of off-street parking. I don't care if it's a garage necessarily. Um, I do like it to have a driveway, or even sometimes in these older parts of town near your universities, there's alleyways they can enter the property off of. So those are that's really something I look for heavily. It's not about the garage. If the house doesn't have a garage, I'm okay with that. It's a less place for them to store trash in. Um, but parking, I love it to have good parking.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know around our university here in Cincinnati, the the the, the big one that's got you know a hundred thousand students and on various campuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Off street parking is kind of at a premium. Because the neighborhood around it was built up in the 1880s, 90s, you know, 19, 1920, 30, would be a newer house in in that area, right. and a lot of them are are kind of you know zero lot line kind of situations. There's no there's no off street parking and nowhere to put any off street parking, so. Uh, the properties that do have a driveway where you can put your car are is actually, are actually uh, they sell at a premium price and they rent at a premium price because otherwise yeah. you can, I mean, I remember circling, you know, circling for an hour looking for a, a place to park on the street. So, you know, that, that's yeah. the, that's the kind of thing that you might pay less attention to in a less densely populated uh rental area where, where driveways weren't that common. But you got to remember a lot of these uh, houses in a college area might have four or five people, all of whom have cars living Uh in them. So, so I'm sure that I'm sure that is, uh, you know, quite, quite a big deal. Now, I think the question on a lot of listeners' minds has to be, she, she just said that she had a bankruptcy that ended in 2013. Yes. How is she buying rental houses?
2: <laughs> How am I buying rental houses? Well, we, we learned and, and kind of got educated on those other ways to buy houses without using your own money. And believe it or not, they work. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, those um, sellers that we find a lot are other parents that have bought a house, even at a premium price. So they don't have, you can't get a huge discount on it. And they're kind of unlikely to sell it with a realtor because they can't even pay real estate commissions at this point. Um, They just wanted a place for their children to live. I'm okay with that. If they'll let me basically start making their payment, that's a form of owner financing. So we can do the owner financing with them, and then we can plug in our own students, and we've created massive cash flow for ourselves. Um, we also do a lot of private financing with people that need to earn a little higher interest on, you know, their savings or their IRA or whatever their form of cash is they, they aren't earning any money on right now. Um, I've also gotten really good at just doing lease options on a long term. Uh, it's my least favorite because I really like to own them. But um, I can do that with sellers, too, and still create cash flow for myself.
1: Mm-hmm. So the seller gets to keep owning a property that, let's let's face it, you know, as long as the college is there, the value of that property is probably going to go up <laughs> over, over yes. time. So they get to continue to own it and depreciate it and all of that sort of stuff. But what they completely 100% get rid of is what they might view as a very high management hassle because maybe they're not running their business quite as effectively as you are.
2: Absolutely. And they're already used to just getting rent. From either another property management company they hired to manage it or from the people they had in it that they didn't like to talk to the students and so they're used to only getting a certain amount of money anyways so we're we're okay with that they can still keep getting that amount of money from us because we are doing a really great job at working with these students to be successful and have a nice clean safe place to live
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's go back to the interwebs here and answer a couple of listeners' questions. This one is from Ray in Saint Paul, Minnesota, and I knew we were going to get a question about this. This is this has become a big thing. Kind of politically, uh, he says, does Dixie ever face any challenges in the community or the city trying to limit the number of unrelated people living in a house? This seems to be a big move right now in Minnesota, where the neighbors who own their own homes, want to get rid of some of the students, so they're trying to limit a three-bedroom house to, for instance, three unrelated people?
2: Yes, we do come up against that sometimes. It isn't in every neighborhood around the university. There are still a few even in our area. Um, So, of course, I would just recommend you follow the rules and only put three people in that house. Um, That's the easiest way. Um, I know in our area there is a small loophole uh, within there. Of course, you can have, like, a couple of sisters or, um, you know, living in the house. Maybe one's a freshman and one's a senior. So now you can do four people if you would like. Um, what I have found is they don't like to share bedrooms. So if there's only three bedrooms in the house, they're okay with three nonrelated. Um the zoning you I don't know you have to check it every single time you would want to kind of know those areas in or around your university but it does happen so you just need to know you can cash flow it by still following those rules
1: Mm -hmm. I just kind of shake my head at homeowners who buy a property near a university and then want to say but I don't want to be around students (laughs) you know Oh, well, this would be a great yeah. neighborhood if it weren't for the students. No, this wouldn't be a neighborhood if it weren't for the students. You, you moved into their neighborhood, not exactly. the other way around. But hey, let's pass some rules now, all right? Um, we're, we'll get to Angela from Atlanta's quest. I, you think I'm going to think it's like Dixie Decker? Nope. She really is Angela from Atlanta. We'll get to her questions right after <laughs> we take a quick break. 877-772-9658 or, uh, go to realliferealestate.com to send your question in. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about a sub a sub niche in the rental housing business, which is student housing. And um taking your questions at 877-772-9658 or via reallife estate dot com. Now, Dixie, it just occurred to me during the break that the one thing we have not yet gotten to is how much more profitable a single family house that you're renting to a group of students is than a single family house that you would be renting to say a family might be so let's let's discuss that
2: all right so i would say right now it and of course i'm kind of talking about our area as a reference point um a single-family, three-bedroom, two-bath house that's like a 1,000 square feet or 1,200 square feet might only get $800, $850 a month in single-family rental income. So if it's three bedrooms, I'm getting almost $600 a room for that same house. Um, so $600 times three, I'm getting $1,800 for the same house the neighbor is getting 8 or $850 for. So I'm almost doubling, and then some, what other people are renting these for to single family folks. So that's why I love, I mean, that's just a very simple um, example. You can do that with four bedrooms, two bedrooms. It all matters what your payment is versus the whole price of the house you're getting from each of the students total.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you
2: can create two to three times as much cash flow as what someone else has created
1: so are you are you taking are you taking on any extra expenses are you, are you paying their utilities are you, uh, you know it, it, are you truly uh, keeping all of that extra gross income
2: i've done both ways i do not like to pay utilities for the students Nobody pays my bills for free. I don't like to pay theirs for free. It's just extra work and kind of a pain to keep up with. So I prefer not to do that. So if there is a large yard and there's no place to store a lawnmower, I do recommend you go ahead and mow that lawn at least twice a month during the seasons where the grass is growing. I try to avoid that, and I negotiate that or upcharge the students. So if they're like, we don't want to mow the grass, we just, you know, we increase the rent to accommodate that need they have. So we try to include nothing, if at all possible. I have a few I include trash on if there's a garage. Otherwise, it piles in the garage. So, you know, trash is, what, $12 a month. Um, We don't really have that much that's coming out of those gross rents, with, with the exception, of course, the mortgage. Um, I do have, and let's be real, these are houses. So to protect my investment, you do want to change your filters. The kids and the students are not going to change those for you. That's a minimal expense that you can have a handyman do, you know, quarterly or twice a year if you set up a good system to just have them go do that if you don't want to be hands-on and do it yourself, which I don't. I'm all of five foot two and I like to wear my high heels, so I don't change filters. Um, I don't spray for pest control. I set that up and do that you know quarterly or bi yearly. Mm-hmm. So you can get that relatively inexpensive when you're making that kind of cash flow it's It's a very small dent in what you're bringing in mm-hmm.
1: so you are taking on a little bit more uh just because of the nature of your tenants you know when you when you get a family uh-huh. in a house there are certain things you expect them to do themselves but you know four or five unrelated kids might might not be able to be trusted to do it and yet it is important which kind of leads us into the question that Angela from Atlanta asked which is she said I've thought about student housing with the perk of once-a-week cleaning service for the kitchen, baths, and living area. Would something like this be helpful, or is that too much? I currently work with college students, and some students just don't have the sense of cleanliness or claim to be too busy to clean.
2: I think they need to offer Cleaning 101 in college. Um, (laughs) I I don't know that that would make a difference. Unless they agreed to an upcharge for that service for that service I have noticed that mom and dad come down and visit Frequently enough that either the parents are coming to help clean or they all pitch in to clean up before mom and dad come to visit so I think that I Don't know that it would make much of a difference and I I don't know how I could sell that to them unless they had all the extra money they could utilize they probably want to use mom and dad's extra money to go have fun with if they're <laughs> going to be able to get that out of them. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And I, I love that kind of question, though, because, uh, you know, a lot of people will will have ideas about, I don't see anybody doing this. Uh, maybe I should try it. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to run it past somebody experience, somebody experience and kind of get their take on it. Not not that, uh-huh. you know, necessarily, Angela, you're never going to provide cleaning services. Because i got to tell you, when you said that, I thought, if I could upcharge that, if I could say uh-huh. we've got our VIP premium package that includes a once a week yep. premium service and it's an extra, you know, maybe I was paying 100 a month and it's, it's you know, 150 a month or something like that. Um, you can take it or not. But if you take it, it's becoming part of the lease and that's what, you know, that's going to be part of your rent. And one person out of 10 took it because the parent was just like, oh, yes, we definitely need that. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would totally and do that's
2: that. that's a good one. That's a good one to offer on the back end for when they're checking out of the property. You can have them go ahead and agree to that up front, that they're willing to pay to have the place cleaned, and it's going to cost 125% or 150% of whatever you're charged. You know, do an upcharge on it, and they'll take you up on that sometimes as well. I have done that on the checkout.
1: Mm-hmm. very when good I okay they're
2: leaving the property
1: uh we have a caller uh who has called in on line one it's uh mark mark welcome to real life real estate
0: hi thank you so much hi dixie
2: Dix- hi mark how are you
0: oh hi i'm okay thank you uh I have a couple quick quick actually a quick question um i'm hearing about these kind of things lately is it is what you're doing following the special housing
1: does it fall under special needs housing in the sense of being a fair housing protected class or in, in the sense of? Oh, no,
0: no. Uh, things like uh, Nick Sedoli teaches and, you know, the, the one that had, you had know, your guest on last week. under uh, Those right. kind of categories.
1: Right, and and Dixie probably didn't hear last week's show, so let me let me let me fill her in. Um, the 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 kind of special needs housing that uh, the fellow you talked about and the guy who was on last week talked about uh, usually includes furnishing furnishing the property and including all of the utilities and the cable and the phone and all of that stuff. And 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 Dixie, I don't think you furnish your rentals, right? I do not. Okay. Yeah, and she's already said she doesn't provide the um, uh, uh, utilities and so on. Um, the few, the few college landlords I know that have tried providing uh, furnished rentals have regretted it because mm-hmm. too much to replace. Yeah, students can be really hard on furniture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so did That's you?
0: Good. Thank you so much. Okay. To a good topic. To
1: Thank you. Thank you for You're your welcome. call, Mark. Uh, Okay, so um, we have another question here. This one is from Gene, and he's uh, sort of kind of from your neck of the woods, Kansas City. Uh, And he says, it it seems like around our universities, there are an awful lot of apartment complexes with efficiency in one bedroom apartments. I'm wondering if there would be a demand for a single family home where students would have to share a kitchen and a bath if they can get an apartment. And if so, how that might affect the rents I could get.
2: So uh, I'm a little confused by the question, but I think in the houses that we have, they are sharing the living room and the kitchen and all of that, but they know each other or they found each other. So you could do that and just do a room, you know, rent by the room with individual leases to maximize the rent. And that would be very similar to dorms. We don't do it that way. I like to lock them all in together so that I don't have vacancies or less cash flow. I know I'm going to get the same amount every single month, all 12 months of the year. Does that answer the question? I
1: think what he's asking is, uh, he. I think he's perceiving that near whatever university he's talking about, there are more apartments that students are renting than there are single-family homes. And he's wondering if... I guess the students are going to perceive that, hey, I have the right to have my own kitchen and my own bath and my own bedroom, or if he should still maybe pursue a single-family home as a potential college investment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a market for that. We have people come in and ask for one-bedroom often, but we don't have any problem filling up the others that are two, three, and four-bedrooms right now. Okay. So I think there's a market for it. I just don't know... I don't know how much you can cash flow on that based on your purchase price or I'm not sure how that part would work.
1: Mhm. Okay, so you 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 just brought up something that that we really need to tackle and we we've, we've literally got like a minute left. Um the leases. All of your students are on the same lease. They have yes. all agreed to all be responsible for the entire $1800 which Correct. was the, the example you gave. Which means that if Joe Bob can't get along with his roommates and he moves out, what happens? Do you get less rent or the other roommates have to find another roommate or they have to make up the difference?
2: Both. So we're open to letting them replacing the bad friend or the one that had whatever happened. They know from the get-go they have to make that up or find someone to make that up. And the parents know that as well. Mm -hmm. So they are very good about that. They'll come in and say, Hey, this person, we're not getting along with them. We already have another friend that wants to replace them. Is that okay with you? And can they fill out an application? Can we change them out on the lease? Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: we're okay with that. We keep making money and they're happier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't do without. And if, if they were not to make up the difference, unfortunately, we would have to file an eviction because now the rents aren't paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they, they don't want to have happen. And so they'll find the money.
1: And that's super clear in the leases right up front. That's I know that's always a really common question that, that people have about, well, what if somebody moves? Do I only get 1600 yeah. Nope. <laughs> All right, Dixie, that was, that was uh, really good information. Appreciate your uh, sharing your wisdom and experience with our listeners here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. But we are out of time, however. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.